Welcome back to Flavor Report. See, on FlavorReport.com, we have long-form interviews on YouTube and on our websites. This version is just a bite. One question, one answer from that longer interview. Wine expert Alan Tardy returns to Flavor Report to talk about champagne and sparkling wine. He is going to reveal the true history of the father of champagne, Dom Perignon, including a huge twist in the story that most people don't know about. Alan is an author, a restaurateur, and now he's hosting a masterclass coming up just in time for the holidays on December 13th at 6 p.m. at the New York Wine Studio located in Manhattan, New York City, right a few blocks from Grand Central Station. The tasting will be a walk through 10 rare wines and champagnes. So let's jump into that conversation, that one question from our longer interview. Talk to us a little bit about who the father of champagne is, was, and since this whole thing was a, a flaw, explain what, what the twist might be. The father of champagne tried to prevent this from happening. So can you explain that story and, and how that came about? It's a it's a really great story. And actually, uh, I don't know if you know, but I wrote a book about champagne. Yeah. The um, Tell the, us if we'll link to it. Champagne, champagne uncorked. Looks like it's backwards. But it has a whole, I and just a, a, a kind of di- diversion, yeah. I really wanted to focus on the creation of a classic champagne cuvee some years ago. And so I followed a particular producer, Krug in this case, to follow, go through the whole process of creating a traditional classic cuvee, which is a blend of different grape varieties from different places and different vintages different places within Champagne, of course. And um, and so I realized in, in discussing that process, which takes a long, long time, mm-hmm. I really I really f- knew that I had to delve deep into the history, too, of Champagne and how all of these things happen. So it's all, you know, all of that stuff is in there in kind of a, a narrative sort of fashion broken up throughout the book. But so Dom Perignon is... Um, someone who is considered to be the father of champagne and in some ways in some ways he is i mean he was he was a, a champenois he was a monk took over as the the, the steward in a, a very important uh, monastery in champagne and one of the things that they did the the the, the um the convent had a a lot of land that was given to them um to, for kind of dues to the church and he was managing the, the the winery there in order to sell wine to 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 kind of support the the uh, the monastery. So he tried, and he was very he was very articulate. He was um, he would select different grapes from different places, and how he created fractional blending, which is uh, which is very very important um, to to Champagne. Also, um, fractional pressing of the grapes so it's very gentle and soft and um so that was very very important for the development of champagne but this was still still a still wine he was trying to make a still wine he didn't and he considered a wine to spontaneously start sparkling was a flaw he tried to avoid that with everything that he could possibly do that was a mistake until 
um, when he was actually getting very, very old. It became extremely popular, and that's he, he had to go along with that, so he sort of accepted it at the end, but it was not what he was looking for at all. And the whole thing about he tasted some wine, and he said, brothers, I see stars in my glass, and he was supposed to be blind by that point. He was not, as far as I know, he was not blind, and it probably didn't happen. And this whole thing of Don Perignon being... The um the the father of champagne and seeing stars in the in his glass of wine when he tasted it blind was made up as a marketing ploy by um, Robert de la Vogue, who was the, the the head at that point of uh, a major champagne house and they had a lot of wine so they they created this story around it and and it, it took it, it took on so and it's a great story I love it I wouldn't change it for anything but. And I like I like the idea of 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 comparing a sparkling wine to feeling like you have stars in the glass that you're tasting. But if you just if you just love if you just want to drink bubbles, I mean, you can have like seltzer or some soft drink or something. It's a it's a component of wine, and it has to be incorporated into the other elements of the wine too. That's what it really all comes down to. And for a very, very long time, and champagne especially perhaps, because this was a market. I mean, once um, once the, the, the sparkling version was approved, and that was like in the, um, I think 1725, something like that by the king, that it could be sparkling. It just, it took off and it, it, it expanded throughout the world. It was a worldwide phenomenon. But the wines were overall sweet, and they were very bubbly. And you know, it was hard. It was hard to get to the point, of course, of being able to create this wine. It took a lot of of work. Uh, a pharmacist in the area of Champagne had to figure out a way because once they were starting to do the second fermentation in the bottle, which is one of the keys of the Champenois method, um, they had a big problem because the pressure was too high too much sugar was added, the pressure was too high, and the bottles would explode, thousands of them, in like a, a kind of a, just a process. One would break, and then those would break, and they would just, it would be a, a big a big mess. So that was a big holdup until this pharmacist created a, a kind of a scale of how much sugar to put into a particular wine, depending on its characteristics, to come out to the proper amount of pressure in the bottle. So that was a big thing. And then the other thing after that, the French, so a lot of times in the second, this this is a second fermentation in the bottle. That's what champagne is all about. But the French people, once that happened, the French people didn't like to see like the sediment and um and this kind of ropey kind of stuff from the from the 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 the, the lees in the bottle. They they didn't like that. So Veuve Clicquot is credited with figuring out a way of removing the sediment and leaving a clear wine. So that was another major development. Thank you to our guests for being a part of this. Thank you to our team for editing and producing this episode. And thank you to you for listening. <laughs>